Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome. You're listening to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we've combined our many years of working intensely one-on-one with clients to bring you the best of what we know when it comes to love, life, your true purpose, how to attract great relationships into your life, lose the fears that block you and love and know yourself better and really fast-track your personal power and success in every area of your life. Jane, I'm going to have a lot of fun with you doing this. Oh, so am I. Thank you so much for asking me to do this with you. This is going to be a ball. I'm just so passionate about love. In fact, I'm quite obsessed with love. And uh, I think everybody wants it. Everyone has uh, has some of it in their lives and everyone wants more of it. So I hope that we can really help people to embrace love in their life. So what we're going to, we thought we'd start out by looking at today is we're going to be looking at fears because these, of course, are the major problems that every human being on earth has their, their variety of, their version of, and the ways in which fears do stop us from achieving what we need in every area of our life. Right, Jane? Absolutely. Look, you know, whatever fear that you're, you, I, I guess what I call them are love blockages. You know, what is your blockage to love? And fear is always at the core of it. You know, there are only two emotions. We've got fear, we've got love. You're coming from one or you're coming from the other. So when you're in fear, it does prevent you from receiving greater love and happiness in your life. And I think probably the number one self-sabotaging behavior I see or the biggest fear that I see with my clients is the fear of rejection. And I think that we all protect ourselves so much from receiving that into our lives. And so that everyone listening knows, Jane, I'd love you just to give a bit of your background um, so that people understand you know, the intense work you've done over the years with helping dating, singles, rebounders, divorcees. Tell us about that. <laughs> I've had an absolute ball. I've had the incredible privilege and I feel quite humbled to have heard thousands and thousands of stories of beautiful people that are single. Uh, I am a singles coach. Uh, well, I coach on love and happiness, but I specialize in helping people that are single, usually those that are majority post, you know, 30 and over. Um, however, principles apply to everybody of all ages. And um, I guess through my journey as a matchmaker as well with a wonderful company called Social Aid, I organize events and dinners for single people to meet and engage and connect with the intention of wanting to expand social networks, the intention of perhaps wanting to date, but more importantly, it's about the opportunities to go on a wonderful, rich self-development journey while they are socializing. And, you know, we'll get into in weeks to come, you know, wonderful, rich things that we learn when we engage with people. But my experience has been to help people to overcome their fears socially. So, Jane, the times when you've been in large rooms, for example, of people that are socializing or matchmaking, how do you see fear playing out in that kind of a game? Well, you know, it's interesting because most of my clientele are highly educated people. You know, they're often, uh, you know, they're people that we'd say they tick a lot of boxes in life. Uh, They're well presented, they're educated, they're kind, they're charming, they're, uh, you know, emotionally, most of them are wanting to be emotionally ready. But what I find in a large room, so such as we've recently just had a Christmas party, and I often 
joke, not cruelly, but I joke and say, well, you know, the first hour I'm actually hosting a Christmas party with 115 16-year-olds, but by the time we get to about 8.30 and they've had a wine or two and the room has settled in its energy and I've been able to help give them permission to do what it is they want to do, which is chat and connect, we then move into a room of adults that are engaging. But the initial thing is that they're all coming so childlike from the fear of rejection. Nobody wants it. Nobody likes it. And as we get older, that fear actually grows bigger because we've gathered evidence that we've had a lot more of it in our life. And rejection, it's one of those almost innate sorts of qualities. that It's almost like we're, we're kind of born with or we default to. It's like, you know, these core, the deepest, darkest things that we all carry inside us that we're most afraid of. And like you were saying before, that beautiful thing about really the whole universe is only divided into two things. It's either fear or it's love. And every other emotion on the whole spectrum fits into either that lower vibrational, sort of that fear, or that higher, the love. Absolutely. So um, even if you have had a, a happy, balanced childhood, maybe mum and dad were together and in love and, and you, you, know, you had a strong sense of self-esteem and stuff, this fear of rejection still underlies so much of what we do. Do you, do you know why, Jane? Look, I think that what's, I think there's lots of different things going on, but one of them is that teenager that's inside of us, that inner child that has got that voice in our head that rules the shop or runs the show far too often. And it's that voice that says you're not good enough, rich enough, smart enough, funny enough, successful enough, fill in the blank. I don't care what it is, but everybody seems to have that voice in their head that is undermining them saying, don't go and approach that person. Who do you think you are? They're not going to be into you. You're batting outside your average. Or the person that's, oh, don't go for that job. You're not going to get that job. There are so many people out there that are more qualified than you. Or don't start that business. There's too many of them anyway. What makes you think that you'd be better than them? And so on it goes. And it detaches us from wanting to achieve. It was only last night I was in the car with my dad and I was, we were talking about that, that phenomenon that, you know, you're going to hear compliments your whole life, but one person says one bad thing and you always hang on to it. So yeah, even if you've had actually quite an emotionally pushy life, you know, you might have just had one bad experience once in business and you really hang on to that, that fear of failure then forever, forever more, you know, or you, you hang on to that Absolutely. one from, from the date that you, yeah. I mean, I can remember rejections I had when I was 14 or 16 from boys and it's so deeply permeated in me now as a woman, you know, at a really deeper subconscious level, not that it affects me in my everyday life, but, you know, every now and then there's a little part of me, it, it, it's crazy, but it's almost like I worry what he would think or, again, it's that younger self in me that gets very insecure and crawls up into a ball. Absolutely. And I think it's that younger person inside of us. And I like to think of me as actually there's three of me. I've got the seven-year-old in me. I've got the the 15 slash 16-year-old in me. And then I've got my 49-year-old self. And it's about really stepping in and owning the experience that that beautiful teenage child had. And you know what teenage child really isn't so perfect and gorgeous and worthy, but we're trying to find our way in life. We're trying to work out where we fit in this whole social game. And it is a game. And, uh, and We gather evidence that says we're not worthy and that sticks with us. So when, like I have this beautiful story of this lady at this Christmas party, highly educated lady lady in her early 50s, very well presented. She ticked a lot of boxes. She walked into the room and uh, as, as did, you know, 150 other people and about an hour into the party, she came up and said to me, oh, I'm going now, Jane. Thanks for the evening. And I said, why are you going? Have you got somewhere else you have to go? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, I just, you know, no one really here for me. 
Now, I looked out at this room. This was for a party for aged um, late 40s and over. And we had perfect gender balance. The people were beautifully presented. The warm, engaging energy was fantastic. I looked over and saw three guys that were well presented. Now, I knew two of them. One was a doctor, one was an engineer, and the other guy, I don't know what he did. And I'm sorry, I'm not into defining people by what they do for a living, but I knew this lady that was important to her. And I said, have you met those three guys over there? And she said, oh, oh yes, I did meet them. And I said, well, what did you think? Oh, they were lovely, charming, particularly that tall one. And I said, well, have you given him your phone number? Oh, no, no, no. Like He's busy talking with other ladies. So there's that insecure child coming out and going, I'm not worthy enough. So then I turned around and I said, well, what about that group of guys over there? Have you met them? Oh, no, no. And I said, well, what do you like? Do you like the look of them? Yeah, they look lovely. And I wanted to scream at her and say, how long is it since you've been in a room with 75 eligible, single, educated, fun, warm, genuine guys in one room that are all within your age group. Anyway, I did ask. Isn't it, Jane? Sorry? I said it's complete self-sabotage. Totally. Well, look, you know, I said to how long? And she said, I've never, I have never been in a room with that many single nice men. And I said, why are you going home? I wanted to shake her. Why are you going home? She was the girl that was going to miss out because that inner voice in her head was controlling her and stopping her from achieving what she wanted to do. So instead, I reminded her. Now, she actually was did work in wellness, and so I was able to very quickly give her some tips on you know shutting down this inner voice, told her to go into the bathroom, put some lippy on, have a massive change of attitude, and come back as the 50-plus-year-old woman that's highly accomplished, that's highly worthy, and is in charge of the evening and I want you to go up and chat to people. So she came back in and I quickly grabbed her and I took her up to this lovely guy who's an architect and you know because I know that kind of thing's important to her and um, I'm happy to say she stayed for the evening and last I saw he escorted her out to her car. And so that's that Jane and do you know it boils down to two mantras that are my favourite. The first one is feel the fear and do it anyway and the second one is Thanks to Nike or Nike, however you pronounce it. <laughs> do it. Yes. Just do it. There's not a lot of stuff in life that, yes, we don't feel comfortable with. Yes, it puts us outside our comfort zone. Every day we're confronted with stuff that our brain immediately goes, uh-oh, no, 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 uncomfortable or too hard or, yes, fear of rejection and fear of failure. And the people in life that succeed and the people that rise above and the ones that we look at, as we know, are the ones that have faced this over and over again and kept on going. You hear the stories about, you know, the power of one, like the author that was rejected like 300 times and was using his his book as a doorstop to hold the door open while nobody would publish it. You know, all these, you know, the people that, the guy that tried to invent that Edison was a light bulb, you know, these sort of stories where people try, try, try again. And of course, this can apply to anything in life. It can apply to putting your lipstick on and just getting back out into the room. Or it can apply to, you know, believing in a project that nobody is listening to when you're trying to pitch it. Um, and, of course, all of this comes from the heart, doesn't it, Jane? But you've got to believe in yourself. You know, I think that the best thing that I like to encourage my clients to do is to become consciously aware of your thought process. You know, what is this chatter that's going on in your head? And for some people, they may never have heard of this concept before. They might not even have been aware that they're constantly having these conversations with themselves. So just by becoming aware and listening to the dialogue, the self-talk, I think most people will get a shock 
at how negative and how hard we are on ourselves. We need to learn to be our own greatest cheerleader. We need to learn to be backing ourselves. So I encourage people to start to be aware of those negative thoughts and shut them down with a very positive affirmation of something along the lines of, even though sometimes I don't feel worthy, I am a kind, successful, loving, generous, giving, beautiful person. I love myself unconditionally. That's right. How do you feel about the you know the negative voice in your head? Yeah. What do you find a good thing to do? Negative voices and self-love. Massive, massive problem for, again, the whole population because we're not taught this as children. We're not taught this uh, as teenagers. Our parents, you know, we don't role model to our kids how to say, I love myself. Parents- oh, I hope we teach. I hope by the time you and I cross over to another dimension, I hope we're teaching this to our children in schools. It should be standard syllabus. It, yes. Self-love is, is, is the biggest tool that anyone needs to navigate through their life because that, that is the platform from which the fear and rejection can't eat away at you and, and you know, take, take away from your life. And at this point, let me just explain to those listening who, are, who I am and what I do. So better known as the psychic in stilettos, and I've spent over a 1,000 hours actually channeling for people. So I've discovered this ability in me to be able to access higher information and knowledge um, from wiser wiser souls, I, I presume, in the universe. Um, and so I work very closely one-on-one with people to kind of do variations on intuitive counselling, removing emotional blocks, um, just helping people in my, my version to fast-track their power and their success um, and their self-love. So everything that we're talking about today boils down to beliefs and it boils down to what we are impermeated with, usually in the unconscious brain, subconscious, um, from a very young age. And some of this stuff can happen in utero. It can happen, you know, you're soaking it up as the two-year-old in the high chair when mum and dad have got stuff going on over the top of your head. And sure, you can't understand the words, but your emotional antenna is up and it is soaking up that environment. And, you know, from a very spiritual point of view, of course, I would go back even myself to things like past lives. I think sometimes people bring in stuff to their lifetime. They're already carrying deeply ingrained beliefs. So this can explain sometimes the unexplainable, for example, why you behave a certain way with a certain person or every time, even though that person's never given you a reason to. For example, I just don't trust him. I don't trust him. He's never given you any reason not to trust him, but you don't trust him. Or, you know, if you do have a very deeply ingrained fear of failure, um, you know, to, to go with today's topic, and there's really no proof, like that, as in there's no, there's not actually any time in your life that you could point to having deeply, devastatingly failed and yet you're crippled with the fear of it. I'd say this goes into, you need to start getting in, into deeper emotional work and looking deeper within. Jane, how do you tell your clients to start to connect with their emotions and feelings at a much deeper level? Okay, look, one of the things that I want them to do is to really start to own their own stuff. And so as they start to feel a fa- fear, some sort of fear, I want them to really own where could that be coming from and what is my fear. So with if we go back to this lady at the party, because I think it's a pretty typical example of rejection that people have everywhere, is I wanted her to own that it was taking her back to a childhood memory and that she was now no longer that woman. So one of the tools that I get them to do is to start to gather new evidence. So start telling a new story. Let go of the old story. The old story was at 16 years old, I was pimply, I was unattractive, the boys didn't like me, I wasn't in the cool girl group, etc. 
start to gather new evidence that since then you've evolved and grown and changed and matured and that life is not like that for you anymore. The next thing I want them to do is I really want them to climb the emotional ladder. So by acknowledging that in this moment I am feeling fear or am I feeling vulnerability or am I feeling scared? Whatever that emotion is, try and identify it. And I like to think of the emotional ladder as up the top we have our positive uh, emotions that all come from love. You know, it can be joy, excitement, um, happiness, uh, euphoric, um, joy, uh, peace. It can be calm. I think one of the most beautiful words is contentment. You know, all of those feel-good emotions are up the top of the scale. Right next to contentment, the right one underneath it is boredom. The really fine line between boredom and contentment. Underneath boredom, you might have sadness, you might have anger, you might have depression. Everyone's going to have their own list and they're going to have it in their own order. And what I want people to do is identify where is this emotion sitting on the emotional ladder. Now from here, how can I reach up that ladder? Now you're not going to jump from depression to joy. That's not realistic. But you could go from sadness to boredom and that's going to feel a lot better. So instead of feeling sad that every time you feel you go out, you're rejected, you can reach for a better feeling thought that says, sometimes when I go out, I may feel that others are not seeing me for myself. However, I know in my life experience, I do connect with beautiful people richly and deeply. So that little affirmation takes you from sadness up to one that's a little bit more content. So you're not jumping from sadness to, even though when I go out I feel rejected, however, I'm the best person in the world and everybody should love me and will love me. You know, that's just not going to happen. So you reach for a better feeling thought that gently climbs you up and it's believable and that's how we climb our emotional ladder. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you know, the, you know, even what astounds me is that I have these, you know, grown women or men sitting in front of me, aged, you know, even in their fifties, sixties, and seventies. And the problem with our society is we live so much above the neck, like so much of our energy is meant to be so in our heads. And when I get, I say to someone, "But how do you feel about it?" It's like they don't even have the, the vocabulary of to, to name emotions. And I'll say. You know, if they're really, they're really pissed off about something or they're, yeah, they're feeling re just really tense or stressy about something. And I'll say, where in your body are you holding it? And they have to really think about it. And then they might say, oh, it's in my throat. Or they might say, it's in my, you know, my tummy. And then I'll say to them, what color is it? And they go, oh, it's, it's brown, you know, or, or they'll say, oh, it's red. And then I'll say, and what's the word? What, how do you describe the feeling? Some people have so much trouble with this and straight away, yeah. straight away they'll go, yeah, but I'm just, it's because I'm really worried about my job. I'll say, no, 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 no. What's the feeling? And to get them to actually use a word like, oh, it's loneliness or, oh, it's, you know, it's pain or, you know, it's actually very hard for us to do this because, again, we're not taught this in life. This isn't the kind of, these aren't the tools that we're given by mum and dad or by our teachers, by our mentors. Um, so sometimes I think we actually have to go back to basic building blocks of communicating with our own body to see what they're trying to tell us and then applying the intellect we have to, you know, figuring out, okay, maybe where did that come from? Where did I first adopt that belief? Is that belief even true? And what do I do, what do I need to do to heal it or release it? Feel. I love it. <laughs>
I love it. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And one of the things, you know, I really love about that is that once you can identify the emotion that you're feeling. So in this gentleman's case, he identified loneliness in the workplace. But really, once he identifies loneliness, what is it that he can do to overcome that in other areas of his life, you know? And as he starts to do that, it actually will dissipate in the workplace. It just won't be there any longer. Sometimes it is just as simple as the conscious awareness because people are like, oh, but what do I do about it? How do I fix it? And all that kind of thing. You know what? Sometimes just the act of bringing it into your conscious mind is enough for you to start working on it without even realizing it. You know, you'll- I agree. Absolutely. Look, I've seen some beautiful transformations from people that have just never heard these kind of concepts before. And once they hear them, you know, they're intelligent people. Once they hear a concept and they get it, they are often running so fast. And, you know, you can watch the light bulb or the light switch go off instantly. It's just fabulous to see. It's what I call wake-up call therapy. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. that bing when they go, oh, never looked at it that way. And uh-huh. <laughs> I call it my aha moment. That's right. Their, their reality is, is always changed because of that. Jane, talk about the concept of reframing. You know, reframing, I think, is really questioning absolutely everything that you believe. So why, as you just touched on before, where did that belief come from? And just asking the question, why do I believe that? Is it true? Absolutely. And if it feels fearful, then turn it around to something, reframe it to something positive. Just the example I gave of the girl in the room, you know, that um, even though I feel like I'm in this room and everyone's rejecting me, reframe it. That's the, that's the past old story that you've owned and you've gone, I know where it's come from, but it is not my current story. The current story is that she's a successful woman who's achieved much in her life, has rich connections with lots of people, and is quite capable of engaging with new people in her life. So you're reframing an old belief. Does that yeah, make sense? sense? Because the thing about the universe is, there is, despite what you may think, there is nothing that is true or false right or wrong, it's all just neutral, it's the charge that we put on it, right? Absolutely. Mm. You know, and then if you really believe rigidly, inflexibly, that something is the way that it is, because that's what you just believe, it's just what you think, you will look everywhere all the time for proof to back up your belief. And that's just how we're wired. We just do that. So, you know, and so if you're thinking negatively, you're going to spend your whole life looking for proof of, yes, I'm a victim, or, you know, yes, you know, the government does this to us, or, yes, um, bad things always happen to me, or I always get a cold every June, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and, yeah, and you find the social proof or the whatever proof um, to, you know, because we need certainty. That's another kind of primal human innate thing for our own deep sense of security. We, 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 we need to lean on something that reassures us that we're not just spinning through a melting pot of chaos. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Yes. I always think it's, you know, this is where you go out and gather evidence. So as you become more consciously aware of your old story and you're wanting to gather evidence of a new story, it's so important to do that. You know, I find it really interesting because people create their own realities based on whatever it is they choose to focus on. And I am fascinated. I organized dinners for six people, three ladies, three men to go out for a lovely evening to all meet each other. And, you know, I'll get this feedback the next day that will have Five members will say, that is the best dinner I've ever been to. I felt like I'd known those people for five years. Um, we're all planning on catching up on the weekend and we were the last to leave the restaurant. And one person will email and say, that's the worst dinner I've ever been to. And I love to think, were they actually even at the same table or the same restaurant? Maybe you've gone and sat 
some people we didn't even know. But it is all about what you give your focus to. You know, what are you, what are you gathering evidence about? And nine times out of ten, if I spoke to that person who had had a disappointing dinner, and I'll start with, "How was your day?" and they will say, "Oh, don't you mean how was the dinner?" I'll go, "No, no, no. Tell me, how was your day?" Um, well, my day was pretty hard. Actually, I had an awkward day, a bit of a headache, you know, a few challenges at work, negative, negative victim story. And they've taken that energy into the evening. So they've gone and gathered more evidence that this is just a bad day. Instead of choosing to become consciously focused on, on what it is I am feeling and thinking and shifting to gather more pleasing evidence. You know, I don't watch the news because I'm not interested in what they show. I don't want that in my world. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, I choose to bring good things into my life through my, my focus. Um, Can you tell the story of, you know, if a guy rocks up to what's really quite lovely dinner party for everyone else, as far as everyone else is concerned, and his take on it is, yeah, it was shit, it was negative, it was whatever. Um, yeah, straight away I hear in the child calling. I, I just hear, you know, I, that to me screams, Man inside, desperately insecure or unhappy or uncomfortable in his own skin, and yeah, and it has to tar the world with a with a brush. You know that that sort of absolutely that sort of absolutely obvious, just screams how obvious it is to me of how someone is just so unhappy. Um, filters. I mean, because we all filter the world through our own filters, and you know, you are in control. You're in charge of your filter, and if your filter is muddy or blocked with stuff, guess who's got to clean it out? And you know what? You don't have to do this for anyone else. And I'm not telling people that they have to go and clean their filters. You do it for you. You do it because I'm telling you that if your life is on most days about a 6 out of 10, maybe a 4, sometimes a 7, well, fine. You can live like that forever. It is sustainable for the next six decades of your life. But do you want to be happier? I mean, who doesn't want to come and live in this earth and live in this reality and actually experience what I call just joy vibration? I mean, why would you actually want to settle for anything less? I mean, Dr. Phil McGraw talks a lot about this when, you know, people are really stuck in their negative stuff or their fears or their, they just can't break out of something. that They're almost addicted to it. And he always says, well, how is it serving you? Because you're getting a kick, like a payoff out of it, out of a negative addictive behavior, um, or you'd let it go. There's, you know, even if you're like, oh, but my husband treats me so badly and, you know, he abuses me and this and that. Yeah, but, but what are you getting? You're getting something out of it or you would have left. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I love that. I love it. I always say that there are no mistakes. Yes. No mistakes. There, everything that is occurring in your life is because it serves a purpose. That's right. Everything. Everything, even the horrible, yucky, hard stuff. What totally? Yeah. And and of course, the point. It, it all depends on how you're going to look at the horrible, yucky, hard stuff. Because you can look at it and be all totally bogged down by it, like you can't even get out of bed in the morning, and the whole world's against me. Why bother? Or you can look at it as, you know what? Each time I get one of those lessons, it's it's another stroke of wisdom. <laughs> it's another tool for my toolkit. I just learnt some more knowledge today. I'm evolving. It's onwards and upwards. And, you know, sometimes that person that's the greatest perpetrator in your life or the biggest pain in the you-know-what, they're the ones giving you the biggest gift. Some Oh, absolutely, some definitely. To put up their hand to say, I'm going to torture you so that you can get something, a personal strength, a quality, bring something out in you that's lying dormant, something that needs to come out and play. And that person's going to push your buttons till it comes out and we can thank them for it. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that that you mentioned on happiness because really that is all everybody wants in life is to be happy. 
And as you do this work, as you try these different tools that we're talking about, and you actually start to feel happier, it's the best incentive in the world to keep going. It is. Keep trying. Don't go back to your old story because your old story isn't feeling as good as your new story. So if it's feeling good, keep doing it. And that's what I love is that every time I learn a new way of, of creating greater happiness in my life, you know, it just makes me feel better. So why would you not just collect the wisdom from others, try on the tools for size and see how you feel? There's a couple, speaking of tools, there's a couple more tools I actually want to mention to people. When getting back to fears and blockages, which of course is today's topic, uh, we're wondering, but it's, it's all related, isn't it, Jane? <laughs> it sure is. Sure is. So, when we're looking at deeply ingrained beliefs and fears, which you're not, you're genuinely not sure where they come from, but they're there and they're ruling your life. There's a couple of techniques which I always recommend people go on to try. One, um, which is quite easy to do because you can literally find it on YouTube, is EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, um, otherwise known as tapping, which you know some of you will have heard of. So the idea is that there's various uh, meridian points on the body. And if you tap on them while reciting specific mantras, you can literally begin to reprogram the body. Now, EFT has really high success rates, particularly with things like depression, chronic fatigue, and phobias, so fears again, um, like up to 90-something success rate. And the trick with EFT is before you begin to tap, think about the thing that's plaguing you and give it a mark out of 10, 10 being the absolute worst. If you're like a 9 out of 10, you know, and then you, you tap, you do your tapping, and then check in again, and you might have dropped to a four or a five. You might have dropped to a two. If you're not, at, if you're not at one or zero, t- keep tapping, keep going around again till you get it as low as you can get it. Now, that, so that's the FT. Now, there's practitioners of that all around the country who can teach you, train you, and do it with you. But like I said, you can actually just go onto YouTube, and they've got like your morning tap with your cup of coffee. So you just turn it on and do a two-minute video, tap along with the guy in the video, and, and you've done it for the day. Um, keeps you clean, like cleans you out, declutters you on the inside. The other one I want to mention quickly is NET, neuroemotional technique. These are practitioners who use muscle testing to speak to your unconscious or subconscious brain, the part of your brain that you can't talk to every day. And that's where we store a lot of our painful memories, traumas and things like that. And using, um, again, their version of meridians and tapping, they can use release points on the body to get rid of some of the nasty gunk in your filter that you're not even aware of. Hey, Beck, got to ask, I love this NET, and I have once had an experience with a wonderful healer that did some muscle testing, and I found it fascinating. Do you want to just describe a bit more about what that's like? Yeah, very quickly. So kinesiology is, um, yeah, people may have had it, you hold out your arm, you hold out your leg, um, various body parts, that the practitioner will press on it, and your your muscle will either go, Weak or, uh, weak or strong. Okay. And it can be on something as simple as my name is Rebecca. My arm would probably stay strong because my body perceives that as true. If I said my name is Belinda, it'd go weak because that to me is, is just not true or I don't resonate with that. That's, you know what I'm saying? So by using that process of elimination, they can begin to go in and talk to your body. So they don't, you don't need to relive painful incidents. You don't even need to really know what's going on. You can just go in with, hey, I'm feeling really stressed at work right now. Can we do some NET on that and see what's coming up for me at a deeper level, where that's all stemming from at the core. They clean out the core and you're good to go. You know, one of the things I most loved about my experience when I had a muscle testing healing was that it didn't actually require me to have emotional investment. Yes. And that was, you know, when you've done a lot of work, um, you know, particularly sort of over the last 20 years, lots of the, the different trends in different healings have been very, very painful. 
And you kind of get to a point where, you know, do I have to dig up more pain? Can't I just get on with this in a more positive way? And I just found this fascinating. It was such a, a, a fast, efficient, easy way to get to the, the, the real core of what's going on. I pull it out, have a look at it, I reframe it, and I move on. And it was just fabulous. I found it a very, very effective uh, method of of identifying blockages. So while we obviously earlier um, encourage people to to definitely get in touch with your own emotions, for those that are genuinely struggling, just chuck it into Google, NET, and look up your nearest practitioner, give it a whirl. It could be just the thing you need to start you on your journey. Jane, our half hour is up. We've had so much fun. Thank you for joining me. It's been fabulous. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. We've got lots of great material to share with you, so please join us again next time on The Love Life. And for now, stay cool and love yourself. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.